0: just thinking with hosts daryl harrison and virgil walker bringing you
1: week-to-week cultural
2: apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview this is just thinking let's think we're back for another edition of the just thinking broadcast i am virgil walker
0: and i am daryl harrison what you know, Omaha? What's going on, man?
2: Not much, man. Trying to make some things happen. Excited to be on another episode with you, man. We're acting a fool, cutting up before things get started, man. So it's all,
0: <laughs>
1: it's all good. I tell you, man,
0: if our listeners could hear us before we actually start recording these episodes, they'd probably right. stop listening to us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we try we
2: try to drag the good stuff in though man. We try to drag the good stuff in so they can kind of be a part of what's going on, you know, and see what's up man. I was just I was commenting for the listeners, for the listening audience. I was just commenting on how fresh my partner sounded. You know, we we record these after, you know, I don't know how many, you know, what 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 all you're involved in. Maybe you could share some of that man. I've done by the time I get to our recording, I've done three. I've been involved in three. Uh, services. We have three services at our church. And so I've gotten there for the early service. We got three services and I've usually I've taught maybe one or two classes. And then sometimes not often, sometimes like last week when we talked, I just come from jail ministry after that. So that's four, like four services. And uh, and so by the time we get on, you know, trying to make sure we sound fresh and don't sound sleepy and all of that is, mm-hmm. is 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 a process. So when I got on, I heard your voice. You were sounding real crisp and strong. And I thought, man, you sound really, really good. And it kind of just kind of went, went left from there. So,
0: yeah, we made that left turn at Albuquerque. And uh <laughs> I, I, I... <laughs> yeah, so the thing is, you know, we can be sleepy. We can be tired. You just don't right. want to sound right. like that. Right, right. You right. want to come across uh that way you know on on the recording on the actual episode so we try to i mean we're human you know we we have lots of things going on i mean right right now to be honest with you you got so many balls uh and for the listeners maybe who not who may not be aware you know i'm in the midst of you know trying to sell my home here in atlanta because we're going to be transitioning out to california you know i've taken on a role Uh, where I'm going to be serving as Dean of Social Media Mm -hmm. at Grace to You, which is the preaching and teaching ministry of Dr. John MacArthur. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of logistics going on right now with regard to that transition. So my Sunday, though normally Omaha is never even close to being as busy as yours. um, I am on a rotation uh, of uh, myself and two other brothers teaching the adult Sunday school Mm -hmm. at my local church at Rockdale Community Church. Mm-hmm. Here in uh, Conyers, Georgia. So we rotate on a monthly basis and November happened to be my month to teach. So today, oh, that's, right. that's right. Yeah. So yeah. So this morning uh, I taught my final lesson uh, at RCC. We've been members wow. there for about four and a half years. Uh, so I've been teaching through Dr. Jerry Bridges's book. The blessing of humility. I don't yeah. know if you read that. I'm familiar with Jerry Bridges. I
2: have not <clears throat> read that particular work, though.
0: Yeah. So, so Bridges. we I've been teaching uh, through uh, the uh, the book uh, Blessings of Humility, which is Bridges' survey of the Beatitudes that we find in Matthew chapter five. Mm-hmm. And today we wrapped up that teaching with the Beatitude of Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this would have been because of my move out to California. Today marked my final. Uh, teaching uh, at RCC, and uh, so that was a very moving experience uh, yeah, for me. How, how'd,
2: that, how'd that go, man? Give 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 a listen a little bit, little bit on that, man. How did that go? Last last time, you know, teaching there, uh, church family, and and I know they're in support of your move and what you've got going, man. Speak speak a little bit about that. I'm curious as well.
0: Yeah, so uh, so so I attend uh, Rockdale Community Church. It's a very small Reformed baptist congregation that's located in Conyers, georgia Conyers, georgia is about 45 miles east of atlanta and it's a congregation i would say probably a little less than 200 members it's a very small congregation and uh at rcc which was, was which is what we call it for short short for rockdale community church rcc uh provides expository preaching from the pulpit and also expository teaching in sunday school class so even though I've been teaching for the past, probably three months, uh, on Dr. Jerry Bridges book. I've been teaching out of a book. I actually write my own lessons expositorily from scratch, basically using some of the content from his book. And then I use other sources, um, as well, but primarily the scriptures to support or augment where Bridges has been talking about in the book. But for, I would say maybe for about a month or so now, um, the uh, leaders at my church, the pastor, his wife, the elders there, uh, and then gradually word spread throughout the congregation that uh, that we will be leaving RCC, having uh, accepted an opportunity to go out and join the team at Grace to You out in uh, in L.A. Uh, but today, uh, given that this was my last opportunity to be uh, teaching uh, at RCC, there are a lot of uh a lot of sad faces. Um, uh, I teared up myself because these have been my family, my spiritual family for four and a half years. And I've grown very, very close with many of the folks there. Uh, they just do the one another's uh, so well. Mm. And uh, it, it's not lost on any of us, that this is a bittersweet departure. Uh, I don't have a definitive departure date, but uh, effective today, my house here in Atlanta is under contract. Uh, so the clock starts ticking, um, still looking for a place out in LA. Um, but, uh, but things are moving, uh, towards that end to where I'm not going to say goodbye to those folks, mm-hmm. but you're right, Omaha, they're extremely supportive of, uh, the decision uh, that we've made to, wow. um, uh, uh, you know, to basically follow the Lord's leading yeah. in, uh, just up, uprooting ourselves from Atlanta and going clear across the country to, um, to help spread the gospel through oh, grace okay. to you, because that's essentially what we're doing. I mean, we're, we're just doing we're going to be doing what we already do, just do it in another another place, another right. realm, another role. Uh, but, yeah, everyone's supportive. Everyone has mixed feelings about it. Everyone's yeah. been praying for us. They've they've made themselves available to help us in any way possible yeah. uh, to help make this transition as smooth and as uneventful as possible. Because this is a coast to coast movement. So this is a huge deal. Yeah. Um. You know, and and I just appreciate everyone at RCC, Pastor Butch Rumble, his wife Amy, all the elders, Jeremy, Ryan, uh, everyone else. They'll know their names when they hear this episode. So, great. um. Yeah. It, it, it's it's uh, it's it's gonna be a sad day when our final Sunday as members of RCC uh, rolls around here over the yeah. next few weeks. Yeah.
2: Wow. Man, that's that's incredible. It's great to hear. It's it's. I think it's. I think it's also important for for folks to hear that you are Rooted in a in a solid church that you've got the support of your church, I know I know, you know if if they're anything like me and, and and they've been with you as family for quite a bit longer than than even we've we've been connected. I know they've got to be extremely proud of of, of the doors that God's opening for you and for your writing mm-hmm. and for the things that that are happening at the same time. You know, little, little little kind of heartbroken to to a degree just to know that, that you're heading out, but knowing that there'll be a connection and uh, and that kind of thing. I, I if it were me, I mean, and and I were the pastor of that. church. I'd be incredibly proud uh, of, of you, of, of of your efforts, your work, and that that he got to play the role that he did, in and kind of kind of forming and shaping, you know, you from a from a shepherding standpoint, biblically, spiritually, mm-hmm. and otherwise, mm-hmm. and uh, as you participate in, in a in a in a worldwide ministry that has had impact on so many people around the world and will continue to do so in the future. So that's that's just good stuff, man. That's just
1: really good.
0: Well, I, I I appreciate that encouragement very much, bro. I really appreciate that. And I thought about you last week because one of the things that I, I do outside of church and outside of my day job here is I'm on the board of directors of a uh, pregnancy center here in Metro Atlanta Refuge Pregnancy Center, uh, and the other day we had our monthly board meeting. I, I had to let the board members know that I would be resigning oh, wow. yeah. from the board, uh, but I'm going to be looking for opportunities to get involved in that same sort of scope, and that same sphere once I get settled out there in LA. So again, not necessarily saying goodbye to any one individual or group of individuals or mm-hmm. any one ministry or opportunity that I've been involved, here, been involved in here in Atlanta. I'm just sort of picking up from here, mm-hmm. going out West. And as the Lord opened do- opens doors out there, uh, I hope to be able to do some of the same things that I've been doing here. Right, right. Good stuff,
2: man. Good stuff. Well, man, we got we got a topic to run into this uh, for this week. uh, A little bit more uh, from from kind of what we've been been looking at, Ligonier's uh, state of theology uh, assessment. And uh, and so I know you wanted to tee up a couple of things with regard to this or at least one of the questions. We've been doing this in a four part series, uh, this being part four of four. Uh, I'm excited to jump into that. I can't wait to see uh where you go. We haven't discussed uh yep. where where one another will go with with regard to this particular topic. But man, I, I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear uh where you take things and, and what we tee up tonight for uh for our listening audience.
0: Yeah. So before I dive into this with my thoughts on this, uh Omaha, I'm glad you sort of alluded to the fact that, you know, we really don't know where this is going to go. And 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 for our new listeners, we always want to keep in mind that that there may be those who are listening to the Just Thinking broadcast for the very first time. So I just Mm want to say real quick that when you and I hit record on these episodes, we have no idea what the other person is going to say. We have no idea what the contribution of each other is going to be with regard to the subject matter. The only thing that we know in advance going into the recording, these episodes is what the topic is going to be. Uh, And that's pretty much it. Once we hit record, it's pretty much wide open from there. But yeah, as you alluded to, this is the final episode in a series of episodes that we've done sort of dissecting, unpacking, and sort of peeling back some of the layers of the 2018 Ligonier Ministry State of Theology survey. Mm -hmm. You can get to that survey by going to thestateoftheology.com. That is, the state of theology.com. And so we've done previ- uh, three previous episodes. All those episodes you can get if you subscribe to the podcast, if you subscribe to the broadcast rather, and then you can also go out to the bar B A R the bar com slash J T the dot com slash J T You've got all the previous three episodes. They'll be identified as part one, part two, part three. You can kind of catch up to where we are coming into this episode here. But here we are, part four in this series. And in part four, we're going to be looking at statement 30. Statement number 30, the uh, Ligonier State of Theology surveys, they refer to the questions or the statements or the affirmations as statements. Uh, So that's why you'll hear me refer to them as statements, Mm -hmm. not questions. Uh, But part four, statement 30, quote, religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. Mm. Okay, so that's statement number 30 in the Ligonier survey. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. Now you'll hear me repeat that statement throughout this episode because as with the previous three episodes we we repeat the statement quite often because I think it's important that the statement resonate sort of rest take hold in our in the minds of our listeners mm-hmm. so that they can understand not only the statement itself but really the context in which we are sort of attacking not in a um you know uh, negative sort of, sense negative context but you know we're sort of uh tr- trying to uh maybe exposit the statement a little bit and bring some objective gospel truth to the responses or the percentage of responders respondents to this statement just sort of to try to unpack in an objective sense what the gospel says in relation to how folks responded to the statement but in this one here statement 30 that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion it is not about objective truth. I think we had 60%. Is that right? Omaha 60%. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: it was, it was interesting that this was, was as high as it was uh, on the, on the agree end of the, of the register. And, and one of the things that, that I love about you said this earlier, you said kind of expositing the, the, the nature of the statement. I, I think That has been incredibly helpful. Those who've been responding back uh, feedback wise, those who are, you know, part of the listening audience who've reached back and said, hey, this was really helpful for me. It was helpful that you took the time to explain these. I think a lot of that came from the fact that, you know, you've kind of taught us through our time together um, that that words matter. Uh, meaning is important, uh, and, and then that we need to look at statements like these and assess the meaning of if each word in the statement to understand fully why people landed where they did and why they said what they said.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to explain that, uh, Omaha. I appreciate that. So as I was uh, considering this statement and how you, you and I might unpack this for this episode of the Just Thinking broadcast, the first question that occurred to me Again, the statement again is statement thirty. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. The first question that occurred to me was somewhat philosophical or even ep- epistemological, you might mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, f- and, and for our listeners who may not be familiar with the term epistemology, get, uh, I was let me just ready to take to a second. Say you, you yeah, you might
2: need to find that
0: one. Yeah, let me take a second to explain what that is. Uh, epistemology at its most fundamental level is essentially the study of knowledge or the study of how we know what we know. Uh, you might describe it in more formal terms as saying that epistemology is the study of the nature of knowledge, justification, and the rationality of belief. Yeah. And I hope for, ho- hopefully, as we make our way through this episode, folks will understand why I'm taking this statement and sort of my approach, my commentary on it, from the standpoint of epistemology as opposed to just a blanket statement uh, in and of itself. So hopefully I'll be able to explain that where folks can can understand. Now, just to add some additional uh, depth to this idea of epistemology, by definition, again, this is just for the benefits of, of those who may not be familiar with that term. The English word epistemology is derived from two Greek words. Okay. One is the word episteme spelled E-P-I-S-T-E-M-E, episteme, meaning knowledge, and then the second word, logos, which can mean word, reason, the mental faculty of thinking, meditating, reasoning, or calculating. So you put episteme and logos together, you get the English word epistemology. Now, mm-hmm. a primary reason why I categorize as epistemological My initial curiosity, and because again, as we sort of said earlier, Verge, I don't know where you're going to come from on this, right? right, So, you you may have a totally different slant. But, a primary reason why I categorize it as epistemological, my initial curiosity over the fact that 60 percent of respondents agree with the statement that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm taking an epistemological slant on this is that the statement itself begs the question, in my mind anyway why is there such a thing as religion to begin with? Mm. So again, the statement again is religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. So you look at the the statement on its face, you may think, well, the debate or the discourse we need to have on this is about whether or not it's a matter of personal opinion. Mm -hmm. That's really what the statement says. We should go with the conversation, but I would disagree with anyone who would suggest that I think we need to start deeper than that and discuss why is there such a thing as religion to begin with? In other words, notwithstanding the 60% of respondents who think religious belief is a matter of personal opinion, my question is this. What is it about our nature as human beings that makes us accepting of religion as an ideal to begin with? Right. You see? So in asking that question... Go ahead, Omar. You want to ask something? No, 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 man. I'm listening to you. Okay, so, (laughs) so in asking that question, okay... The question being, what is it about our nature as human beings that makes us accepting of religion? I have religion in quotes Mm -hmm. as an ideal to begin with, as a concept to begin with. So that's the question. Now, in asking that question, excuse me. I'm not speaking in terms of sort of the various organized religious systems or their associated liturgical structures. When I say religion, I'm not talking about that. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about organized religious systems. What I'm more concerned with, again, is the epistemological origins of what we refer to as religion to begin with
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and why human beings believe in religion as a concept. So as to assert that religion is a matter of personal opinion and not objective truth. Now, I think there's an irony here in the statement. There's an irony that's intrinsic to the statement that's inherent within the statement that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. The irony is this, that to suggest that religious belief, quote unquote, is a matter of personal opinion and not objective truth, is itself an objective declaration. Mm, That's good. The statement itself is objective. Right. I mean, think about it. Why would a person believe in anything that is not objectively true? Now, we know people do believe in things that are not objectively true. Of course they do. But when it comes to religious beliefs and what's at stake, because every religion in some form or fashion preaches a doctrine of life after this one. Right. So when you consider religious belief being a matter of personal opinion, considering what's at stake, you would think they would want to be fairly certain that what they believe is objectively and not subjectively true. Right. 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 Given what's at stake. Right. Again, Every religion, in some form or fashion, teaches a doctrine of life after this one. Mm-hmm. Whatever they call it, the doctrine, the that that sort of uh, that tenet, that precept, is in some form or fashion present within every religious paradigm. Mm-hmm. Every one. So you would want to, you would think though, with that at stake, with with the fact that what is at stake, meaning that at some point your life as it exists right now is going to end. Mm-hmm. And unless you're a nihilist, unless you're a fatalist, right. Your existence is going to continue mm-hmm. somewhere else. So with that at stake, you would think that folks would want to ensure or have some level of confidence that the religious framework to which they subscribe is objectively true, not subjectively true right, and right. subject to change. Right. You see so that's that's kind of where i'm going with this no
2: i think i think that's i think that's a great point that that you make with that i mean to 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 make a subjective statement uh about something so important right and 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 to make that statement with such emphatic declarative you know uh fervency you want to make sure that what you're saying given the stakes that uh, that that mm-hmm. that's an accurate assessment of reality that that is mm-hmm. an actual that that is an objectively true Bingo. stand mm-hmm. which they're taking about religious
0: belief. Exactly, right. exactly right. I mean, listen, you Omaha. I don't mean to embarrass you with this, but mm-hmm. you're one of the best people I know at evangelization. And mm-hmm. why do you evangelize? Essentially, you evangelize because what? Because of what's at stake. Yeah, absolutely. Eternity at stake. Absolutely. It's etern- your eternal existence, your eternal destiny, is at stake here. And like I've heard someone say before, eternity is too long to be wrong. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Right. So again, the question is, all right, why do we as human beings have an epistemology of religion? What is the genesis and origin of religion? Mm-hmm. Again, not talking about religions, I'm talking about religion mm-hmm. as a concept, as an idea. And I think, obviously, I know the scriptures answers that question. The scripture answers that question for us. And I want to start, because this is what we do on the Just Thinking broadcast. We mm-hmm. open the word of God mm-hmm. to see what the word of God says. So in answering that question, I want to start in Romans 1. Because again, fundamentally, the question, the the the, the discourse that needs to happen is not whether or not religious belief is a matter of personal opinion and not about objective truth. That's really not the, that's not the primary conversation you want to have. Mm -hmm. The primary conversation you want to have is why do people believe in religion? Mm -hmm. Why does religion exist? Mm -hmm. Okay. And here's where I want to go to the word of God to help us answer that question. So I want to start in Romans chapter one, verses 18 and 19 again, reading from the non-Armenian standard Bible translation. Mm -hmm. Romans 1, verses 18 and 19. This is Paul. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Mm -hmm. God made it evident to them. Again for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. Mm -hmm. How is it evident? God made it evident to them. Okay. And how did God make it evident? That is when Paul writes how that God made it evident to them. Mm -hmm. The question then becomes, how did God make it evident to them? The them being to every human being. Well, he did it by general revelation. Right. And we see <clears throat> we see that in the very next verse mm-hmm. in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen. And mm-hmm. here's the here's the here's the here's the bomb right here. After the comma, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. So Paul is making a declarative, unambiguous statement here. Not only that we visibly see evidence of the existence of God, but we understand what that evidence means. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is huge. Now, before we move on, I want to take a couple minutes to sort of exegete this text in Romans 120. Come on, man. Now, in the Greek, again, I'm reading from the NASB Your translation may read somewhat different, but in the NASB my, Romans one twenty, my, my,
2: my mind reads correctly, but I, I'll, I'll let you go. On. <laughs> I'm going to let you. You're going back to the Greek anyway, so it's, it's all good. It's, it's all, all Greek to us then, right? Yeah, it's yeah, all it's, all Greek. Greek. it's all Greek anyway. <laughs> I just had to throw that in, man. It's Omaha all Go messing ahead. up my flow. Go, I know you was flowing too. I messed it up. I messed it up, man. Go ahead and do what you all do, right, bro. I'm, I'm right here with you, right? <laughs> I'm right here with you, man. Go ahead. All
0: right, man. Romans tw- 120 i I'm going to take this from the top. Do it, do it again. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Now, in the Greek, that phrase clearly seen translates to see thoroughly, to perceive, or to understand clearly. So, again, as I said earlier, that Paul says. That the creation clearly is evidence of God's existence. We're not talking about just a visual acuity or awareness of what has been created, which Paul refers to in Romans 120 as the creation. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about is a mental cognizance and understanding of who created that which has been created. Mm. Do not miss this, folks, in Romans 120. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. That means just by virtue of what we can see in the created universe testifies to God's invisible attributes and his eternal power and his divine nature so that we understand through what has been made that God is a reality. So no one can excuse themselves. Mm -hmm. No one can excuse themselves. Paul is talking the same thing that John said in John chapter 1, verse 3. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Mm. Nothing apart from God, nothing has come into being that has come into being. Sort of re- re- reiterated in Psalm 19, verse one, and and this is this is what I love to hear Dr. Steve Lawson say: this word, mm. purposcuity, right, right, the purposcuity right. of Scripture, Scripture, Scripture right. interprets Scripture. So we mm. have Romans 1:20, that's one brick in the wall. Then we have John 1:3, as another brick in the wall. Then we have Psalm 19:1, is another brick. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Mm. So again, the deeper question here again, I think is answered by Paul in Romans 1:18 and 19. The reason there is such a thing as religion mm-hmm. is because God has made it evident within the heart of every human being who has ever lived that he exists. Yes. That's where re- that's where the concept of religion comes from. Mm-hmm. Religion is not a man Generated a man originated idea. Mm -hmm. People seek religion because God has planted within us an awareness of his existence by virtue of what we call general revelation. That is, by virtue of the created universe that we see around us. Okay. And that all human beings are aware of the existence of God by virtue of his creation again. We call that in biblical theology general revelation. Now, yep. <clears throat> by, by by virtue of definition, by web def definition, real quick, general revelation refers to the general truths, the general general truths that can be known about God, and about right and wrong mm-hmm. through the created world. And every one of us has been exposed to the created world around us. Absolutely. So this is what Paul is talking about when he says in Romans one twenty, so that they are without excuse. Mm every last human being who has ever breathed air is born into this world with an innate awareness of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. God has implanted that within each one of us in each one of us. This is what Paul is talking about is that ultimately when we face God for ourselves to give an account of ourselves, Romans 14, 12, Mm -hmm. God's uh, uh, Paul says for each one, each person will give an account of himself to God. No one will have an excuse. Right. Right. Even those who have never heard the gospel will not have an excuse. Mm -hmm. You will not have an excuse. So that's general revelation. Okay. Now in Romans one verses 18 through 20, which we just read, we have in Paul's words, an unambiguous declaration that God has placed within the heart of every human being, the objective knowledge that he exists. Mm -hmm. Objective. So that there's such a thing as religion to begin with. Right. It's rooted in the reality of Romans 119. that There's within each of us an innate awareness of the existence of God.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's where the idea of religion comes from. Mm -hmm. Whatever you call it, whatever name or label you tag to it, Again, I'm not talking about religions I'm talking about the idea of religion mm-hmm. which gave birth to these various religions that we have mm-hmm. in the world Does this make any sense omaha
2: no absolutely absolutely it does i mean that's a i think that's just just the clear reality. That, that we have to go back to to understand why why we have belief, uh, a religious belief or whatever we call religious belief right. to begin with. And and it all stems from the fact that we are the Imago Dei. We're created Bingo. in the image of God. And as a result of, of, of his image on the inside of us, our knowing and knowledge of that which is right or wrong, uh, that which is true and false, uh, that which is moral and immoral, all come from him. So while we don't need a... a a, a book per se to tell us what right and wrong is. Uh, we, we, we have that in special revelation, but we've been given that through the divine implant of God in that he created us as image bearers of him to reflect his, his goodness.
0: Absolutely. That's a great point. That's a great point. So I think the reason Romans one verses 18 through 20 is significant to me, in my opinion, is that it totally obliterates and repudiates the assertion that quote-unquote religious belief is a matter of personal opinion and not Mm -hmm. objective truth Mm -hmm. because the fact that God has instilled within each and every person who has ever lived an awareness of his reality makes that idea makes the idea of subjective religious belief non-sequitur right anything that affects everybody is not subjective no it's not That's subjective
2: no right right so, so the so the statement falls flat on its face based it's upon the way of scripture. Face. Absolutely, yeah,
0: it crashes under its own weight. Yeah, it's totally illogical. It's totally non sequitur. Mm-hmm. It the the fact again that scripture clearly declares that every person who has ever lived, by virtue of the creation around us, is aware, not only of God's existence, but of what right and wrong is. So, when to say to, that every person is aware of that. That's not subjective anymore. Mm-hmm. That's subjective because nobody is exempt. That's about as, as objective as you can get. Right. Now, having said that, a person may very well choose to reject that reality. That mm-hmm. is, they may choose to reject the reality that the gospel of the one true God, John seventeen three. Jesus himself said, identify God, the father as the one true God in John 17, three, this is eternal life mm-hmm. that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Mm-hmm. So having said that fact that because everyone has an innate awareness of the existence of God, I realize that a person may very well choose to reject that truth. They may very well choose to reject the truth of John 17 three. Right. Nevertheless. Okay. That someone chooses to subscribe to a different quote unquote religious worldview other than the gospel does not validate those other worldviews as objectively true. Mm-hmm. So we have now, right. That relativism is is rampant in our world and our yep. society. Yep. Uh. You know, there's the, uh, the preface is, you know, it's, it's, it's not truth. Now it's your truth. Right. Right. It's your truth. Right. Everything is relative. So no, no. So, so even the fact that someone may choose to go another route outside of the gospel, they may choose to believe in Islam or Buddhism or some other uh, ism mm-hmm. that does not invalidate the truth of the gospel as, and the god of the gospel as being the only true god doesn't invalidate the gospel and it doesn't validate those other religious worldviews Mm-mm. but you see here's what's so cool about this statement statement 30 and and so, sort of where we are and sort of breaking this down uh to this point god doesn't stop with general revelation mm-hmm. in romans 1 18-20 he doesn't mm-hmm. stop there so he doesn't mm-hmm. stop with the fact okay I have placed within you, um, as as the text re- reads in Romans one nineteen. God made it evident to all of us. He doesn't stop there. Now, where I want to go next is Acts seventeen, verses twenty six and twenty seven. Yeah, to sort of build on that. Mm-hmm. Acts seventeen, verses twenty six and twenty seven, mm-hmm. because I think there's a connecting point here between this text and what we've been reading in Romans one. Now. Mm-hmm. So, and what the point I'm trying to make here is that even though God has made his existence evident within each one of us, he doesn't leave us to our own devices, yeah, in trying to figure that out, yeah, so let me read acts seventeen twenty six and twenty seven This is usually a go to text for me with regard to social justice, but right. here's 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 the brilliance of of just the mind of God, mm. uh, even in that this text fits in what we're talking about here. In this episode, Acts 17 verses 26 and 27. And he made, that is God. And he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Here's the key is verse 27. in the context of what we're talking about here in this episode, verse 27, that they would seek God. If perhaps they might grope for him and find him, Though he is not far from each one of us. Mm. Now, what's my point here? My point here is that as we just read in Acts 17, verses 26 and 27, but especially Acts 17, 27, the text reads that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, the text says. Now, This is one of those texts, Omaha, where unless you have, unless you're looking at this text from an expository lens, Mm -hmm. you could look at these words in English and develop a totally different doctrine of salvation.
2: Gotcha. Because
0: you know where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. The words here in English say that they would seek God. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, we know the scripture says no one seeks Seeks after God. God." Mm -hmm. The the text continues, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him. Mm -hmm. So you look at those words in English, seek God, find him, and you would have a totally misplaced understanding of what the text is actually saying here. Mm -hmm. Okay, someone would say, well, nobody seeks after God. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know that but you must look at the text and you must look at all of scripture through an expository lens. Okay. So we know that no one seeks after God. We know that no one finds God because no one is looking for God. Mm -hmm. We know that. Okay. I understand that, but what's so, so interesting about this text in acts and how it builds on and augments what we just read, in Romans 1 is that we know general revelation is only part of the equation with regard to how God has made himself known. Yes. What Acts 17, 26 and 27 points to is special revelation. Mm -hmm. It's what referred to as special revelation, which Mm -hmm. in this text, especially in Acts 17, 27, is seen in the phrase that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him. Now, only those who find God That is only those who come to know God in the person of his son, Jesus Christ can say to have special revelation about God. Yes. Now here's the interesting thing about that word find that word find in the Greek in Acts 17 27 does not mean look for the word seek does not mean look for. It does. It doesn't mean that. So if you're looking at that word and you're just taking the English context on the on its face you would be interpreting that text totally wrong actually that word find and seek mean to get knowledge of or to yes. come to know god yes so you must study the scripture with an expository lens find and seek don't mean what you think they mean in english what the text here is Acts seventeen twenty seven. This is the special revelation connection. Mm-hmm. Those words translated literally in the Greek mean to get knowledge of. So when you look at Acts 17, 27, that they would seek God, what the writer there is saying, that they would get knowledge of God, mm-hmm. that they would come to know God. Okay. So yeah, nobody seeks after God, but we're not talking about looking for God. We're talking about coming to a saving salvific knowledge of god which is monergistic mm-hmm. It's monergistic so we're not talking about mankind cooperating in salvation or anything like that no that's not what we're talking about the connection between acts 17 26 and 27 to romans 1 is that in romans 1 you have god's general revelation but he doesn't stop there the reason there is general revelation is because god wants to lead us to special revelation amen He's not leaving you out on an island somewhere trying to figure out who this God is. No. That's why evangelization is so important. Mm-hmm. It's so significant. Anything you want to add at this point, Omaha?
2: Man, the whole the whole of scripture is the story of God's special revelation to us in his effort to make himself known mm-hmm. uh, to us. I mean, from from the from the very beginning of, of the of the call of Abraham to the, to mm-hmm. the birth of Isaac to to jo- to Joseph in Egypt to, to Moses uh, in 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 Israel right uh coming take taking the children of Israel out of Egypt every facet of the of the story of the old testament is part of a of, of the ongoing revelation of the un, un you know of the of, of the of the of the revelation of God the progressive revelation of God uh, providing for us natural revelation we we have the natural knowledge you, you you talked about natural revelation we we have that general revelation uh sufficient for our condemnation and and God had every right to leave us in that state mm-hmm. uh God had every right to to see where we stood and kn- knowing that we were indeed condemned and leave us there. Mm-hmm. But but it, it is out of his loving kindness man that 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 reminds me immediately of uh, of ephesians chapter two it, it comes to mind so i'm gonna i'm gonna actually pull that up so we can get a little taste of yeah, some let's, let's English that, standard <laughs> Some of that elect standard some of that elect standard <laughs> that 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 reminds me of of ephesians chapter two. Verse four, in fact, I'll go back and, and express our condition. We were dead in trespasses and sins. I'm reading from Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, chapter two, verse one. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind. And we were by nature, children of wrath. All of these things that we were doing, we were doing with the full knowledge that they were wrong, mm-hmm, uh, that, mm-hmm. that, that, we were, that we were sinful, uh, that we were in sin. Uh, uh, Paul would, would go on to speak about, about those uh, without the law in, in Romans chapter 2. Even though we didn't have the law, we became a law unto ourselves, right? Because we mm-hmm. knew what was right and wrong to do. Mm-hmm. But Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great w- love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace that we're saved and raised up and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And again, that definitely speaks to those who have indeed repentant of sin and place their full faith in in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But mm-hmm. all of that said, it speaks to the fact that we we believe what we believe, not because we've we found God, but because he's indeed made himself known to us through his special revelation that that is evident throughout uh, the full measure and breadth of scripture.
0: That's beautifully said, man. That's beautifully said almoh I appreciate you adding that uh to the conversation. I think, you know, as I'm listening to you. I just keep going back, man, to what we were saying earlier with regard to what's at stake here. Mm. When you you look at the fact that 60 percent of respondents sort of affirmed that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion and that it is not about objective truth. Mm. That is not something to celebrate. No, that that six out of every 10 would attest to uh, coming down on that side of that statement Mm. because of what's at stake. You see, and the thing about it is, is that when you die, nothing is relative at that point. Absolutely. Nothing is relative anymore. Even if you believe in relativity right now, relative truth right now in this life, when you die, nothing is relative anymore. Mm. You are either in heaven with the Lord or you're in hell. Mm -hmm. Now, I know hell is sort of a taboo word. It has been for quite some time. Right. Uh, but let me again go to scripture so you can think you, you won't think that, you know, Daryl is speaking, you know, Daryl's all mean and and uh, he, he's evil. He's not loving. Right. That's the word. Right. Right. That's the phrase. <laughs> right. right, right. Daryl's right. not loving. Well, let me go ahead and quote you from the scripture. Not only mm. quote you from the scripture. Let me quote you Jesus's words, Jesus's own words. Mm. This this is this isn't even one of his disciples talk. This is Jesus himself talking in John three thirty-six. This is Jesus speaking. He who believes in the son has eternal life. Yeah. But he who does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. him. Mm-hmm. That is the anger of God. The righteous indignation of God mm-hmm. abides on the unbeliever right now. Mm-hmm. Right now. Let me go to another text. 2 uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, I believe it is, chapter 1. And this, Omaha, is my personal definition of hell. So if anyone wants to know what Daryl's definition of hell is, here it is. 1 mm-hmm. Thessalonians 2, I'm going to read from verses 6 through 9. 1 First, First Thessalonians 2, verses 6 through 9, with emphasis on verses eight and nine, okay mm-hmm. first thessalonians two verse six, for after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you mm. and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus see this this I love this from Paul. This is the Jesus that nobody wants to talk about mm. people want to talk today about what I call hippie Jesus. <laughs> This is the Jesus. They want to talk about the Jesus that's walking barefoot along the sand, along the beach when the sun is setting. Right. And he's tossing tulip petals or flower petals. With beautiful blonde hair. Beautiful blonde flowing hair, holding up a peace sign, smiling and just Mm -hmm. talking love, 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 love. Well, here's another side of Jesus that you won't hear anybody talk about today. Picking up in verse 7 again in 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians 1 and to give relief to who to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the lord jesus now listen in listeners when the lord jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire dealing out retribution to those who do not know god and to those who do not obey the gospel of our lord jesus christ and we just read those same words in john 3 thessalonians 1 verse 9 Mm-hmm. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now, why do I read this text in second Thessalonians one and then John three thirty six? because again, there's no relativity after you die. No, nothing is relative anymore. When you die, that's why it is so important to have the right, worldview when it comes to religion the mm-hmm. idea of religion mm-hmm. n- let alone religions okay because what we're really dealing with omaha in this ligner statement number 30 essentially when you really boil it down to its least common denominator mm-hmm. What we're dealing with here is the question Pontius Pilate asked ah, in John eighteen thirty eight. Come
2: on, man! Come on, man! Now, now you, now you, now you're in the area where, that where, where I where I had uh, some thoughts. So, man, this is this is right in line with what we're talking about. Go for bro, it, bro.
0: You 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 knew I was going to get there. You yep, think, yep, 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 yep. This is what we're dealing with. This is yep. what statement thirty is essentially dealing with. Mm-hmm. Is the question that Pontius Pilate asked in John eighteen thirty eight? Mm-hmm. What is truth? Absolutely. What is truth? Mm-hmm. You want to ask something here, Omaha? I yeah, wanna, that, I'm going to give you a stage here, man. N-
2: no, that that's that's where that's where I landed. At the end of the day, it, this really is a question about what what is truth, and and I th- I think starting from from the standpoint of of epistemology is important because you know tr- truth truth you know presupposes it uh, uh, poses knowledge it, it presupposes i mean mm-hmm. there's there, there's some aspects of this we've got to know we've got to know where what are we anchored in you know wh- what it what is what is objectively true and what is and what is the source and standard of that truth and for the believer in christ for for those who hold to a biblical world worldview we we believe truth is personified in in one man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, it, it, I mean, we, we believe scripture when it when Jesus makes the claim, I am the way, the truth uh, and the life. And so with with that, with that at stake, that 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 takes out that that takes out or off the table, the idea of of this subjective religious opinion. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It's no longer it's no longer subjective. It's no longer religious opinion. Uh, it, it is Christ in Him crucified who is the standard of truth. Bingo. And so that that at the at the end of the day is really the root to the question that's being asked. It's the same question that you just said that Pilate asks of of Christ uh, when when he's when he's before him uh, when he, when he says in in uh, in, in John uh, chapter chapter eighteen uh, verse thirty eight. Uh, where he said where Pilate says to him what is
0: truth right and i think it's interesting here right before that in verse uh 37 mm-hmm. it reads therefore Pilate said to him so you are a king mm-hmm. jesus answered you say correctly that i am a king jesus didn't say well you know in some people's opinion yeah i'm a king come on man no he declared objectively jesus didn't stutter he said, objectively, you say correctly mm-hmm. that I am a king. That's an objective declaration that Jesus acknowledged mm-hmm. that what Pilate had asked was correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, so you're a king. He's just, well, you know, it depends on who you ask. Right. No. And I think it's interesting here in this Ligonier statement that six out of 10 people can say, well, religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. Right. Those same 60% would probably not support the statement, "Um, is 2 plus 2 equal 4 a matter of personal opinion? (laughs) Right. There are very few things in life that affect us, meaning that affect our existence Mm -hmm. in this life, that are a matter of personal opinion. I mean, no one... no one would argue that the law of gravity is a matter of personal opinion. Right. No one would argue that, you know, the the sun is hot being a matter of personal opinion. Right. But they feel comfortable writing off the fact that, you know, yeah, religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. Right. And, and I about, think it's not about objective
2: I, truth. And I think that I think that's because of what you read in Romans chapter one, verse 18. We, we, we much we, we love our sin more than we love the Savior, we love our sin more than we love god and 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 if there is an objective standard, if Jesus indeed is who he says he is, he, he makes moral demands upon us his his, his very His very nature, the very, the very fact that that he is right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. requires us to respond in a particular way, and we don't want to do that. So it's much easier to say, well, you know, it's a matter of personal opinion, because, you know, I can I can then if, if that if if that statement is true, I can then create a God in the image of my own design mm-hmm. and, and bow down and worship him.
0: Right. And, and why and why is that? Well, here again, where Paul answers that question, Romans one verses twenty one and twenty two and following, oh. really, he says, for even though they knew God, this is exactly what you're saying. Bert, right. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him. You could actually say they did not want to honor him. Absolutely. Well, they didn't honor him because they didn't want to. to, Right. This is exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations Mm -hmm. and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools Mm. and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now, not all idolatry can be defined in those terms. Sure. But all idolatry starts with some degree of exalting ourselves Mm -hmm. above God.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. However
0: that idolatry manifests itself, and I think you could argue that a manifestation, one manifestation of that kind of idolatry is to assert that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. Now, this is a tricky statement. It's tricky because <clears throat> the wording says religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. But what you and I are sort of uh, setting our lives on here is that truth is not a matter of personal opinion.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: Truth is not a matter of personal opinion. It never Someone is. may argue, well, hey, you can believe what you want. You know, I've heard, you know, one of my former pastors says, well, you can be sincere in what you believe, but you can be sincerely, <sighs> sincerely wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah. You see, and again, it goes back to my statement again. When you die, again, and we talked about this, is what is at stake? Mm-hmm. You must ask yourself whatever your belief is with regard to religion and religion's what is at stake for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you can answer that question, you must be able to answer
2: with truth. Absolutely. So, man, as as we as we think about this idea of objective truth, how, how does that apply, man, going back to the question about religious belief as a matter of personal Opinion how, how does how does that how does that interact with how does truth interact with that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Omaha. And I would just answer that this way, not only as it relates to Statement 30 of the Ligonier study that we're talking about here with respect to religious belief. But I think we, we could apply that logic to pretty much anything that is true, that, that mm. is that, that is said to be true. You see, the reason a thing is true is because there's such a thing as truth. hmm. I I want our listeners to, listen to sort of marinate on that for a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The reason a thing is true is because there is such a thing as objective truth. Absolutely. You know, I, I said before about the the, the the mathematical equation two plus two equaling four. Well, why doesn't it equal five?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, because those numerical values are fixed. Yes. They're not subjective. Mm-hmm. There's there is an objective definitive value. To those numerical uh symbols.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Two equals two. It doesn't equal three. It doesn't equal one. Mm-hmm. Now you can take you can have your child take an exam in grade school and they can answer it five. And you can go visit the teacher when the teacher marks it wrong with the red ink pen. You can right. go argue, well, that's just your opinion that it's four. But no, that's not going to change the teacher's grade on your child's paper because two plus two is not subjective. It's four. Mm-hmm. It's not five. So I would ask the person who maybe makes up part of this 60% right. who affirms that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. I would ask them, well, how do you come about that? how do you come about affirming that, uh, that, 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 that opinion, that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and they would have, you know, as as, as Bugs Bunny would say, uh, you know, they got some explaining to do <laughs> because, yeah. again, the irony is their only answer to that question has to be something objective. Mm-hmm. They're answering a subjective question with an objective answer. That's the only that's the only response they have. So, again, what I want our listeners to walk away with with this particular episode is that as it relates to statement 30, the question isn't, the argument isn't whether or not religious be- belief is a matter of personal opinion. That's, not, that's a secondary. That might even be a tertiary mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. The primary, the fundamental, the foundational conversation that needs to take place is why is there such a thing as religion to begin that's with? Great. That's great. That's the fundamental question. And mm-hmm. then you go from there. So as we close here, Statement 30 has many, many layers to it. It does. As have all these statements that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But again, unless you are versed in how to study the word of God expositorily. Mm-hmm. And I think the kind of, the way we sort of uh, exegeted Acts 17, 26 and 27, hopefully that was was helpful to somebody mm-hmm. who's listening to this because, wow you know, just take, for example, Omaha, Matthew seven, one, where Jesus says, do not judge. Right. You can take that. I mean, how many times have you heard someone just take a Genzu knife and just butcher that verse Yeah. yeah. because they don't, they look at the word judge in English. Right. Never bothering to exegete the word in the context of that verse mm-hmm. and then apply it to the rest of the the, the following verse. Context. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like I heard, uh, Dan Dumas, who's a uh, a professor at Southern Seminary, mm-hmm. uh, say once at a men's retreat I was at, he said the three most important things to consider when studying the Bible: number one, context; mm-hmm. number two, context; mm-hmm. number three, context.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You cannot study the Word of God without context. Absolutely. And the best way to get context with regard to what you are studying is to study the Word expository, unpack those words. Unpack those verses and then put them back together.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, man. I I think that does it. You 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 came full circle. I mean, you you went back a little bit farther than 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 I'd intended with regard, and I think that's brilliant because what it does is it sets up a foundation for folks to ask the question that we should all be asking: Why why is there religious belief in the first place? Um, and, and then rolled through uh, the, the the rest of it and and, and landed. I, I kind of started. I kind of started from a from a standpoint of biblical worldview, which is what is truth, uh, and and kind of tackled it from that from that angle. But I, th- I think I think our listeners have a very sound and robust um, uh, apologetic uh, mm-hmm. around this particular statement, and uh, and I think it should serve people well. I'm hoping they're edified by it. Any any last things, man, that you want to share?
0: Yeah, just real quick, I want to thank all of our listeners for all the great feedback and mm-hmm. uh, messages that they've been giving us on social media and and email in response to this series that we've been doing. Yeah. on the Ligonier Study of Theology mm-hmm. Survey, mm-hmm. we really appreciate all your encouragement. We've had Virgil and I've had a ball doing these. Yeah, it's been uh, good. This will be the final episode in that series. Mm-hmm. So if you've not uh, listened to the previous three, please go out subscribe to the broadcast on uh, apple itunes or uh, google play mm-hmm. um, or android uh, thanks to Dwayne, we're in multiple places now where you can listen to us yeah. or go out to again thebarpodcast.com slash jt and get caught up on these episodes uh, but we've had a ball doing these so, mm-hmm. so thanks a lot for your support and your encouragement as we sort of walk through this 2018 ligonier ministry state of theology survey All right. Take care. God bless. Till next time.